Welcome to episode 76 of the Horror Dads podcast. We're super excited because we're joined yet again for, I guess it's part three, Maddie Takes Manhattan. So we've got Matt Ryan, Matt Ryan Tobin rejoining us on the show. He's an artist, musician, friend of ours. So Maddie, welcome back to the show, man. Hey, thanks for having me, guys. It's so much fun. I've been looking forward to this all month, all year. This this is a this is highlight. Yeah, dude, highlight. Honestly, like October's amazing for a million different reasons, but um, it's uh, the level of excitement for this month is elevated now because we get to do this uh, every year, and it's been great. Yeah, it's uh, we always talk about like what we're excited about coming up with the podcast and some of the repeat uh, guests that we have on. And uh, we were just like hugging the other day, talking about having you on and just how excited we were. So uh, you're the best and we are fucking excited to be where we are. Oh, thank you guys. Yeah. No, I, I love, love talking to you guys all the time. I would just do this. Like, I wish we could just do this every day. Just hang out. And talk, you know, I mean, so. if we can make well, a living when you get a call this, tomorrow yeah. morning at 9 a.m., Matt. <laughs> Okay, maybe not at nine. You said, said, (laughs) I didn't include award-winning designer um, in our preamble here, which you are now. So you you won a Clio this year, didn't you, man? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I did. (laughs) Yeah, first award I won for for anything, save save for the, the, the tournament plaque that I got when I was in a bowling league when I was nine. Oh. And for what property was that? Was that for Cobra Kai? Uh, yeah, for the Cobra Kai soundtrack that I did with Mondo. Yeah, amazing, man. Congrats yeah, thank to that. You. And uh, for those that, that haven't listened to the past episodes, I think we had you on episode 13 was the first Whoa. Time. Wasn't that it? Probably. Yeah, I think it was episode sounds 13. Right. Uh, that sounds familiar. That sounds right. Yeah, and then again, somewhere probably in the 30s or 40s. And uh, now we're already in the 70s, so life is moving faster. But, wow. Wow. Uh, but Maddie was in uh, probably one of Jamie and I's top five bands of all time, uh, Dead and Divine. And then again, um, he had another music project called Ritual. Mm. Uh, and uh, both of those music projects are all time favorites of ours. Huge inspirations for us musically and uh, I guess emotionally and spiritually. For but sure. Maddie, we got to ask the question. You've been up to anything musical as of late? Well, thank you for saying those lovely things, first of all. Um, yeah, you know what I was, um, here's the thing is I'm, I'm always working on music. I have been every every day since, you know, I kind of stopped doing it professionally. I'm always writing stuff, but, um, it's just, it's really hard as you guys know, you know, being fathers, like, um, and I'm not, you know, blaming my kids or anything, but it just, life becomes your priorities change. And so, you know, um, I just don't have the time to invest in music and, and, anything that I've learned over my, you know, 15 plus years of being a musician professionally was that it's all or nothing, you know? Um, and I just don't have all to give to it and I don't really want to either, you know, you know, life's good. I love, love what I do now. And and so it's kind of something that I do on the side, but it's, um, something I'm definitely thoroughly still passionate about. And, And the goal is to release another ritual record. Um, yes. yeah, like I said, I've been, been writing and working on it. And actually something really cool is that, um, maybe I can give you guys a sneak peek. The guy, uh, one of my best friends, uh, Skylar, who produced the ritual record, he literally recorded that record in my apartment. Um, we did drums at a studio in Toronto, but we did everything else, tracked everything in our apartment. He like, I kind of sent him some song ideas that I've been working on and he started building all the stuff around it, like all the drums and everything around it and kind of sent it back to me. 
more or less complete without vocal. I was like, holy shit, it felt so good to hear, yeah. you know, music that I've been working on, like, that isn't just on my phone <laughs> that I've recorded with, like, voice memos, you know? Yo, dude. Um, yeah. So, yeah, there's, like, demos in the works right now, we'll say that. Oh, my gosh. All right. That's amazing. They're very rough, very rough stuff, but... Hopefully soon-ish something will come up. We'll see. We'll see how, how this goes. But uh, yeah, again, so a lot of clients you've worked with. So you do a lot of work with Mondo. Uh, you've done some work with Waxwork and some awesome Blu-ray stuff. Uh, Cabin, Cabin in the Woods. Yeah, that's slipcover. God damn. Paranorman. Um, so working with, with folks like Lionsgate. But um, for those that don't <laughs> know and are new to uh, the Maddie saga, please, we'll uh, post everywhere where we can find his work. But uh, he's a real deal. He's a real artist. So yeah, and one stuff. of my uh, favorite things that you've done recently, Matt, is the uh, I, this is probably super special for you, but the collab that you did with your daughter for the smile. Um, yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It was, it was so it was, badass, that was dude. Special. Yeah, um, it's a lot of fun, and um, you know, um, I kind of I, I wrote it in my post, but like you can see behind me, my easel is right there. So more often than not, I, I'm sitting here, and then she has her own set of like pencil crayons and her own sketchbooks and she'll set up and draw over there sometimes while I'm working. And she's usually looking over my shoulder and like, and copying what I'm doing. And she always hands me stuff at the, when she's done doing whatever she's like, here, dad, you can use this as a poster, you know? And I'm like, okay, honey, thank you so much. You know, <laughs> yeah, I will, you know, and it breaks my heart because I always want to. I'm like, man, when, how can I like get her to, you know, work on something with me? And then that was the perfect thing was the smile soundtrack because I had actually spent days like just trying to like get this sort of authentic creepy smile drawings, like, like a kid would draw them. Like I even tried doing it with my left hand just to have it be a little bit more, you know, less precise. And it was just, it was just not looking good. So one day Ava was sitting right there and I'm like, Hey, do you want to draw something for a project I'm working on? She's like, yes. And so I was like, you want to draw a whole bunch of smiles, big, scary smiles, with lots of teeth. And she goes, okay, I can do that. And I'm like, okay, cool. So I gave her a pen and paper and a, a pencil and paper and she did it. And then I scanned it in and just did some small color stuff. And so, yeah, so her artwork is, is full blown in there. That's a cool. She signed her name. So her name is like her signature is inside the, the, oh. the credits as well. I love the way you meshed like her artwork with your artwork. You know what I mean? To make like one piece. It was just the coolest. Oh, thanks guys. Yeah. It was like, it's my favorite thing I've ever done. If not only for that reason, yeah. you know, so that's so cool. And now she's asking every day. She's like, when, when do I get my records? When are my records coming? My God, this is taking forever. <laughs> like, <laughs> like patience, little one patience. Yeah. That's so cool, man. Yeah. Congrats on that. And thanks. it's like a dream come true being able to collaborate with your kids and stuff. And it's so yeah. cool when you see your kids interested in the stuff that you're interested in and you know, sometimes it's like, they're just doing it for you. Um, and then sometimes they're not. And it's just like seeing those different evolutions are, are so gratifying as a parent, I feel. So that's, that's so cool to, uh, to have that experience. Yeah, absolutely. Man. Well, thank you. Thank you for saying that. The core of our episode today though, we're going to talk about, uh, hidden gems in the horror uh, genre. So this is one we came up with, um, when we were strategizing, I think for our last episode, uh, so mm. we've been sitting on this for a year. We're going to talk about nine different films. Uh, last time, I think we talked about nine films that scare us most. And this time, we're gonna we're gonna dig deep into the treasure chest here and and pull out a a couple different uh, shiny hidden gems. I think. Yeah, we had to dig into the YouTubes and the Tubies <laughs> and the 
freebies yeah. and all that shit for some of these, right? But before we jump into the movies, we're gonna we're gonna do a, a round robin. We're gonna talk about nine different films. Each of us uh, will will pick three. Uh, we're going to just catch up and you know talk about what we've been watching, what we've been buying. The standard, yeah, the standard fare. And we're in the best season of all, Dude, right? We're so. like in in the so it's the fourteenth today as we record. So I mean, we're like yeah. smack in the goddamn middle of it. Let's talk about what we've been watching. Uh, anything on? Uh, your docket here, Maddie, that you've checked out. You said you're going to go see the new Halloween tomorrow night, right? Yeah, yeah, I'm going to go see that tomorrow. Uh, like I told you guys, with uh, my good friends Jason Edmiston, Gary Ghoulish, Gary Pullen, and, and Sarah Deck. We and we talked about this before, but I'll say it again. We we've, we've been going every year, every time one of these new Halloweens is released, and kind of making a night of it. So that'll be fun. Um, recently, though, I've watched. Uh, I just finished uh, the Midnight Club. Oh, what do you think, hey, man? Yeah. I, I started Mike Flanagan show. Yeah, um, it's pretty good. Uh, have you guys seen it? I saw the first episode. I think I watched the first uh, three, so I, I haven't finished it. But yeah, we're both familiar and we're in, just not done yet. Yeah, so Midnight Club is one I recently saw. Uh, recently watched Deadstream. Have you guys seen that? No, no. I don't know that I've ever Deadstream? heard of Deadstream. It's on Shutter. I don't. Someone recommended it to me. I don't remember who it was, but it's a newer like found footage film like horror comedy you know it's it's like in the vein of like kind of has like evil dead vibes to it hmm. honestly it's it's over the top it's funny um yeah so that was pretty good that's a movie Those are two off the top of my head yeah it's a movie gotcha yeah i think it's on shutter oh, okay I'm, I'm gonna check that out for sure yeah maybe we'll do a that is our patreon there you go. segment yeah jamie what have you been watching uh so yeah i was gonna mention midnight club as well um Halloween ends. Obviously, you and I went and saw last night. Yes, we um, did. I rewatched. I've been rewatching some classics uh, for the holiday here. I watched some real stinkers leading up to. Like, I watched this fucking movie called Grim Cuddy. The Grim Cuddy. Why would you? Oh, I saw that trailer. Yeah, dude, fucking so bad. <laughs> I don't like trash in movies, but that movie fucking sucks. Yeah. Um, but I watched uh, The Omen, nineteen seventy six. So I just rewatched that today, uh, dude. <laughs> That movie is fucking the original. It's yeah, so the good. original. It's God so damn, good. It's dude. haunting, as and hell. it's so heavy. It's just yeah. like, yeah, that's a heavy movie. Oh, dude. When it's done, you're just like, oh, I need to take a walk outside. Watch um, The Office, and then I watched, yeah, yeah, and then I watched uh, The Exorcist, and um, I was telling you, John, that we always mention about like the original Halloween and stuff like that. That's just been redone so many times that if you go yeah. back and see the original, it's like, this isn't scary at all. Like I've already seen a thousand iterations of this. Yep. Um, and that's how exorcist is like, I mean, I've seen it a million times, but when I went back, it's just like, this has been done so many times, like scarier and just with a higher budget. Maybe it's just like, it's hard to watch it and appreciate it for what it was. You know, like your stepmom back in high school in the seventies, like when she saw that, that was probably the scariest shit ever. Yeah, I, I can't you know? imagine. Yeah, my dad saw that in the theater, and he said it was like an experience. Like yeah, he's never yeah. seen theater erupt like that over a film. Yeah, and The Exorcist and The Omen is actually a fucking great double feature. Uh, but yeah, I checked out Halloween Ends. Jamie and I went and saw it, so we won't give any spoilers since nope. it's so fresh. But I will say, for some reason, Maddie, as you endeavor tomorrow, just bear these words in mind. Haddonfield is in Illinois, not New Jersey. That will make sense when you hear people talk and they sound like they're from The Sopranos. 
<laughs> it's very strange. Yeah, it, it's almost honestly, it's it's the the talk about that movie is inescapable. Oh, it's geez. it's every it's every other Instagram post, it's every yeah. other Facebook post. Blatantly, like I've seen just a lot of people not happy. So I'm like, I don't even have to read it. They're like, this sucks in like capitals. Jesus, like, yeah, you know, it's 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 hard. So it is. And going you know going what? into it, trying to you know. Blank, blank, put, mind put the about blinders it. on and just get in there. That's yeah. that's what we did, and that's kind of why we wanted to go last night, just to like yeah. have the experience together yeah, and yeah. go watch it. And mm-hmm. uh, interested to hear your thoughts, but um, don't forget about the accents because it'll make you <laughs> enjoy it. <laughs> um, so that and Midnight Club, those are the two I had written down. So we yeah. talked about all of those. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, as we enter, you know, this season, have you guys been buying anything horror related? Anything new? Yeah, so I bought uh, just this morning the Sleepy Hollow vinyl came out through Waxwork. Yeah, dude. Uh, scooped that up. Uh, artwork was done by this dude named Steve Reeves. Fucking so good. Like, I, yeah. I, I would have bought it anyways uh, because I loved Sleepy Hollow uh, score. It's amazing. Uh, but when I saw the artwork, I was like, I have to fucking get this. Like as it <laughs> as it drops. Yeah. So that's what I did. And very rarely do I like go on waxwork at nine o'clock, like when it's released, you know what I mean? And that's what I did today. So I, I, yeah, uh, I do those for all the Friday 13th releases for sure. I wait, oh my God, I wait that... on those and I buy them instantly. Oh, but... so that part one re-release that I picked up yeah, yeah, that I pre-ordered fucking months ago, um, it came, which I don't mind. I, a lot of people bitch and gripe about that. Like I, I, I actually love, love it because I forget yeah. I order it and then it shows up and it's like, exactly. God damn, this is the best week ever. My wife yeah. popped in my office uh, like two days ago carrying the box. You know what it is. Yeah. And I was like, oh, fuck, my new I pan. I forgot I yeah. ordered the new frying pan. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so that came <laughs> and I, like it's still in the plastic. I was just like holding it and smiling. So, yeah. Nothing like getting a good uh, record in the mail. I know, man. Totally agree. Maddie, you've been mm-hmm. buying anything? And just like last year, like, no, I've been very like, um, is frugal the right word? No, frugal is excessive. What's it? I've been very like, no, I think not frugal buying is right. a lot of things. <laughs> yeah. No, no, frugal. Right. Uh, most yeah, yeah. most yeah. recently, I bought like new pants because my pants are getting too big, like <laughs> from <laughs> from the trading. So I'm like, yeah, really exciting. Or like loafers, <laughs> like <Yeah. laughs> like old man dad stuff, like yeah, belt. <laughs> no, you know what? We were this year. We were gonna finally pull the plug on the giant Home Depot skeleton mm. that everyone's been ramping about because they're in stock everywhere around here i my friends a few of my friends in america are like we can't find them but we have a, a whole bunch here but then we're just like uh okay maybe not this year like kind of thing you know like yeah. what else do we need to get right now let's you know. yes and it's funny you mentioned that because the first thing i have written on my list here is skeleton <laughs> so i didn't buy that one um but we did go to spirit halloween last night and i bought um a skeleton the eight one yeah yeah he has joints he's like eight feet tall yeah yeah um and you can pose him and he has jo- like actual like shoulders elbows knees hips that's awesome uh so yeah my friend matt i just saw he he just bought one just for his apartment just to have in his apartment and i was like eight foot where is this from and so you just said spirit halloween so we we have do have those here but yes. i didn't know they existed yeah, I, so I have him. Um, I've moved him like all over the house today. The kids keep laughing. They were off school today for a um, like teacher, like kind of teacher prep teacher conference day here in Ohio. Um, mm-hmm. So they were off all day, and I just 
kept moving them around the house and they kept laughing because I worked from home today. It was great. So <laughs> that's awesome. So I picked well, that you up. Gotta have him with his arms out, just holding their lunches. Like, on, on the way <laughs> well, the what's door. funny is his hands are like this. Like uh, you guys can't see <laughs> me, but like that will work, and that's actually a, a fantastic idea, dude. I'm gonna put him idea. in the foyer. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love it. Um, but I'm also I didn't buy it, but I will probably tonight or tomorrow. Um, I've been checking out a uh, couple new Fright Rags collections, and there's a new Halloween three collection. Um, and there's a raglan. I definitely want to pick up uh, mm. on there. That's a Halloween three. It's black and orange. And I feel like I need it in my mm. life. So I'm going to grab that. Nice. That's awesome. I did want to, I did want to pick up their, um, uh, trick or treat, a couple of their trick or treat lines, like trick or treat yeah. 1980. What is it? Six. Yeah. Oh yeah. Something. Yeah. The Sammy Kerr movie. Yep. Or Sammy Carr, Sammy Kerr. I can't remember. But that, like that long sleeve they put out was was awesome. I was yeah. like, "Ooh, that artwork's great." Yeah, yeah that dude. collection was I'd pretty. Still do that. All right, let's hit what we're wearing, Jamie, real quick. What you got on there, buddy? So I have the fog uh, cavity colors raglan. Speaking of raglans, it's got the uh, lighthouse upside down cross. Yeah, fog monsters. I remember never had upside down crosses, brother. My what? So that I did buy that one, and it it's like wears like a medium and is this was a hand-me-down yeah. from my little brother so <laughs> it wears like a medium um but it is a large but i remember when i bought it my dad was like we are not a religious family but that is very much an upside down cross and i was like <laughs> yeah he's like are you gonna wear that to work and i was like no 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 <laughs> i mean who would who would fucking wear this to work and <laughs> if it didn't have the cross yeah so uh but that's a great Great shirt. I love it, obviously. Dude, it's one of my favorites on it. Like the color, the the color of green. Mm. Yeah, it's mm, great. Mm, mm, mm. Well, I have on my Loudmouth Threads uh, Scream hoodie. It's the bright yellow one I picked up last year, uh, just before Scream 5 came out. So I love this one. And uh, Maddie, you've got, uh, you've got a blank canvas on, don't you, buddy? Uh, yeah, I am sporting the Kirkland uh, six-pack white tee. Um <laughs> Crew, crew neck t-shirt which are my favorite t-shirts ever and then um which actually they don't sell in canada anymore so i had to get my buddy jeff to order them and then online and then he shipped them to me i ordered 24 of them <laughs> um <laughs> my favorite shirt and i'm wearing this blank hat because i bought this patch here i'll show you guys this patch i bought this patch years ago i've always wanted to try to find a hat to put it on but i can never just never find the right hat and I just think this patch is hilarious. And I try to get my wife to sew it on. And she's like, I don't get what you love about this patch so much. And it just makes me laugh. I don't know if you guys can read it. She's not my mother, Todd. It's from Terminator 2. Oh, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, that's definitely him from Terminator yeah. 2. Oh, with <laughs> the flower, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. John, get back in the house. Your yeah. mother's calling you. She's not my mother, Todd. Right, I don't so know. It's you're going to put it on that hat, I think? <laughs> Yeah, I think I'm going to put it on this hat. So that's why it's a blank hat. See? Oh, yeah. Dude, I mean, that, that looks, looks fucking yeah. It actually looks great the way you've got it right See? there. Yeah. Mm. I'll, awesome. buy, I'll buy one of those. And what then you- I'm wearing really short gym shorts. So if I have to stand up and you guys are like, why is he naked? I'm not. They're just very short shorts. <laughs> All right, cool. So last thing before we start to get into our episode, anything family oriented? I thought we'd end with something fun here. So any any spooky stories with the kids this time of year? Jamie? Uh, yeah, so actually, 
tonight. So my uh, my four year old, he's like obsessed with Halloween and Michael Myers. So like he always wants to watch the movies. So we'll let him watch, you know, like the parts, Some, and we'll yeah. try to skip uh, what we can, like because I've seen them enough. So Katie had him watch. He, I came, I come down like from my office. I come down to get a drink or whatever, get a cup of coffee, and uh, she's starting Halloween two for him. I was like, what the hell? She's like, well, he like insisted he wants to watch it, and I was like, all right, well, luckily the Blu-ray has a TV edited version, so she put that in. Um, yeah, and he's watching it, whatever. Uh, later he's watching Halloween four with me and I'm skipping around, but he's asking so many questions like, who's that? Well, it's Rachel, but who is she? Is she Michael Myers? No, no, she's not. No. Uh, who's that girl? It's Jamie. Uh, it's, you know what I mean? Just question after fucking question. Yeah. I think part of it is that he gets nervous. Um, and then he had me shut part four off because there wasn't enough Michael Myers. Um, (laughs) So today I'm watching H2O in the kitchen on AMC. Uh, fried fest oh my god i was yeah. too so yeah. i'm like making dinner and i'm watching that and he's in there and he's like what what one is this i was like it's h2o just like would not quit asking is this uh part six no it's 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 actually part eight it, uh or part seven it's h2o um uh, so then he's like well i want to watch the first one and I was like, well, it's it's not on. This is TV. It's on. Came on right after. It came on right after. Yeah. So I was like, hey, uh, it's on if you want to watch it now. So he's watching the beginning, just the intro, the music, and the. He's like, this is just like he calls them seasons, not parts. And he's like, this is just <laughs> like the beginning of season two. I was like, it is just like the beginning of season two. And he's like, but it's a little bit different. The pumpkin's different. I was like, it is fucking different. Wow. Yeah. Attention to detail, eh? Yeah, that's, dude. That's I was just like blown away. That's the cutest. I love that. Yeah. That's amazing. He's the best. I was watching it with you on AMC, man. I actually brought the TV outside because um, playoff baseball here in the States uh, was on today, Maddie. So I brought my TV outside and uh, had a bonfire going after work. It was great. Smash your TV into the fire. The team I like lost, so that <laughs> yeah. that that was upsetting. But H two O was on right after, yeah, so everything good. was good. <laughs> consolation prize. Yeah, but uh, awesome. Maddie, anything uh, cool and fun, family related you want to mention? Yeah, I mean, aside from the, the the smile thing, which was a lot of fun. Um, yeah, just my my kids love love Halloween like crazy, and so and I mean they just dress up every day no matter what. Um, but we just bought um my my son Sawyer is really into uh. Um, the nightmare before Christmas. Like he, he always has been, but this year, especially like he picked out a Jack Skellington costume and he just wears it every day. Um, and we listen to the soundtrack every single morning on the way to school. Yeah. So that's one of those things we watched. Um, my daughter finally watched Hocus Pocus. Uh, I think she tried to watch it a few times. And like, even though she's seen like, you know, the family oriented, you know, um, scary films, there was something I think about the intro of Hocus Pocus that was just like, it's a little too scary for her or something, but she finally committed and watched it and loved it. And I was like, well, guess what? There's a part two. <laughs> and so she watched that and she's literally like 10 minutes into it. And she's like, this is my favorite movie ever. And I'm like, okay, <laughs> you know, so she loves that. Um, but uh, also my son was at uh, an Indigo. Um, you guys have Indigo, right? Is it chapters Indigo in the States? The bookstore, big bookstore, Kohl's. no. no. Like we have like Barnes and Noble, Barnes and Noble. Yeah, yeah, okay, it's yeah. equivalent to that. Yeah, 
here and he goes and he gets those little like the little Disney books with the gold spine on them. Yeah. yeah. The, oh, yeah. And he picked out Sleepy Hollow, the, like the Sleepy Hollow, um, like the Disney animated version. Yeah. And he was obsessed with it. So we put that on for him on Disney Plus and he's obsessed with that now. So anything like new sort of spooky that I introduce the kids to they're you know, they they're right into it, which always makes me happy. That's amazing. And how how's your your youngest is how old now? Eight months. He'll be nine months in six days. How's how's he doing? He's awesome, man. Yeah. He's the best. Yeah, he's so funny. He's got a lot of a lot of personality. He's always smiling, always laughing. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah, he's cool. He's the third one, right? So he's he's just like very lax, but he's also like, hey, like I'm lazy. Like, can you do this? Do everything <laughs> for me, like all the time. <laughs> you know. And it's funny how your like your parent your parent muscle it doesn't atrophy. I, I won't say atrophy as you have more kids, but like the things that you care about are much more focused and centralized and relevant than like the first time you have a kid. Cause the first time you're like, Oh my God, she's holding a Trisket. Like, is that okay? Is she going to get a, a splinter from the Trisket? And like, you're all nervous about like literally <laughs> yeah. everything. And by the time, like the more you have, it's just like, no, it'll be cool. They're, they're fine. Yeah. Um, so I, I would imagine that like the parenting process, having a third is probably really, really enjoyable. Yeah, there's definitely like, yeah, you worry a lot less because you've been you've been through it now twice already. So, I mean, there's always things that you don't expect, as I'm sure you guys are aware of. Yeah. But um, um, I think the biggest thing that that has been great is that, you know, like when your kids, especially when you have your first kid, it's like every single thing that they do is is a feat. Yeah. Right. Like it's and you, you praise them for absolutely everything. Like you see that sort of funny smile that she made. Oh my God, that's amazing. Like everything's just amazing. Cause it's new and it's, yeah. it's exciting and you're really proud of them for every little thing that they do. And then, you know, they get a little bit older, like those types of moments, they don't go away, but they're, they're more few, you know, like my daughter's five, she's going to be six soon. And, um, you know, you're so proud of everything that they do, but it's just those like early moments kind of go away, you know? Um, and so having ever now like a baby, you get to re-experience those like really exciting, like every little thing that he does is exciting and, and sweet and cute and yeah. all that. So I really miss that, that like seeing them really slowly develop, you know, and really focusing on it. So the thing I wanted to mention, I took my family to a corn maze and pumpkin patch kind of like experience um, here locally at a place in Poland. What's it called? I think it's Molnar Farms. Molnar, yeah, it yeah. is Molnar Farms. So I took them there. It was amazing. Uh, we actually like got taken out into a pumpkin patch, got to pick our pumpkins straight from the vine. Kids were super excited about that. Uh, we went in through the corn maze, got real lost. Um, <laughs> they give you a map. So you walk in, you're like, this is a kid-oriented event. This isn't going to be a big deal. But like the map does not show the point of entry. <laughs> so you look at the map and you're like, this is easy to understand, but I don't know where I started. <laughs> um, so <laughs> it took like go finding like a landmark marked within the map that I was like, OK, I'm good now. Um, but from entering to the moment that we found that landmark, I, I was kind of like, this might be bad. Uh, <laughs> like one of the kids is going to have to pee and it's going to escalate like way faster than we wanted to. And then. Everyone's going to get pissed, so I got to figure this out. So uh, we did a great job. My wife was super helpful. We made it out alive. 
it was a, a ton of fun but yeah it was like just a perfect fall day perfect weather outside we got our pumpkins we brought them home uh and it was great oh, that's awesome yeah i was funny that i was gonna say you know as somebody with irritable bowels like mazes and me don't mix <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> yeah i'm like okay now i'm now i'm lost now i have anxiety now i have to find a bathroom yeah. and i'm lost and i have anxiety <laughs> All right, so before we jump into our episode, a couple quick shout-outs here. We do have uh, some merch, some Horror Dads merch. So if you're interested, please head over to HorrorDads.com. We've got T-shirts, we've got raglans, we've got tank tops, we've got koozies, we've got stickers. So if you want to rep your favorite podcast, you can do so now. Um, head over, follow us on social media at Horror Dads. Uh, we're pretty much on the main social channels, but Instagram's our preferred, our preferred channel, I suppose. Yeah. And uh, we do have a Patreon if you're interested in checking that out. We've got a $5 tier and a $10 tier per month. So if you're interested in some additional content, please consider subscribing. And the other thing is if you do like the show, please take a moment to leave us a review on either Apple Podcast or Spotify. It helps others find the show, and we would really appreciate it. Anything else, Jamie, or are we going to get at it? I think we covered it, man. Let's do it. Get your shovels, guys. We're going to dig for some gems. So, Jamie, lead us off with your hidden gem. All right, so this one is super hidden. Um, I think you need, although I guess Tubi's not super hidden nowadays. No. Um, This is on Tubi. This is from 1989. It's a movie called After Midnight. Go ahead. Scare me. Of the house. I thought you said there's nothing to worry about. I don't like this. Let's get out of here. I'm all alone here, and I don't think this guy's kidding around. What are you afraid of? I wonder if you really use hedge clippers to chop off their heads. Come and get me. Alex! Uh, not to be confused with the 2019 movie After Midnight, which is probably much uh, better. Uh, so what do you guys think? Yeah, dude. I mean, I... I had not seen this. My first experience with it, um, I really enjoyed it. So it's kind of like a... It's an anthology film, Anthology right? film, yeah. So there's a college professor who teaches this class about fear. I, I don't really know the point of the class, but I think it's about uh, teaching people about fear and how to manage fear. and Psychology uh, of fear is the yeah, name of the class. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. Psychology of fear. The teacher um, or the dean of the school, I think, kind of scolds the professor for his... Uh, methods of teaching fear. Uh, so he decides to have a little powwow at his house. He's like, nobody can stop us from uh, uh, socializing <laughs> at my house. It's like, probably somebody probably should. Uh, <laughs> but he gets all these like students over there to tell scary stories. Uh, and then we sort of watch the stories unfold in an anthology format. I think there's three or four stories. Why is he scolded by the dean, Jamie? Do you want to tell the yeah, so tell the people? The oh, the first yeah, that thing. was that was quite a scene. Yeah. Yeah, I was like, oh, this is this is where this movie's going. I was like, it, interesting. Yeah. It was like what I've only seen this movie the one time. Yeah. Um, it's funny because I, I watched it right as we were picking this topic, and I was like, well, this seems fitting. I've never seen this movie, and it's pretty goddamn entertaining. Uh, so the first day of this class, he he wants to prove that people can be scared. I guess so he. Uh, threatens a dude 
He pulls uh, a, gun a gun on a student and makes him piss his pants, is what happens. And then he like, shoots himself. Dude, looks like Johnny Resnick from Goo Goo Dolls. He does. Yeah. <laughs> Wrote that down. <laughs> and the professor right. looks like a, like a dollar store Andy Garcia. <laughs> dollar, dollar general, yeah. Yeah. Uh, but he uh, proceeds to like commit suicide in front of the class uh, with just the the best special effects you've ever seen. Uh, yeah. Blood splatters and everything. And then he just gets up and he's like, you scared? Just a blood pack. Yeah. See, I got you, kids. And everyone's like, all right, that was, <laughs> that was a little too bit much. Over the top. So I yeah. can see why he was scolded. Yeah. So then 100%. they proceed to tell these stories. Um, and you watch these stories unfold. But there's some really good uh, really good segments in there. I really like the segment. Uh, I don't know. It's the one about the, we always talk about the high-rise horror. We're going to probably talk about that a little bit later. Uh, but there's a segment where you have like these switchboard women. operators, yeah, yeah, switchboard operators like message takers, yeah, and Dude, they one hundred percent that that was my favorite segment yeah. of the three. That was a good one. Totally a lot agree. of uh, like actors that I don't necessarily know their name, but I know them to look at. You know, she the was woman one of from them. Um, uh, Dream Warriors. Yes, Dream Warriors was in the second. Jennifer, the dog prime segment. time Jennifer. Is yes. It, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Welcome to prime time. Yeah. Exactly. Oh, and also while we're on the on the subject, I don't remember what segment it was, but there's a scene with like a. Wait, no. Is it the teacher? Is it the last segment where the teacher? Um, there's a skeleton, a stop motion skeleton. Yeah, oh I think yeah, that's yeah, him. yeah, yeah. I think that's his. I'm word. almost <laughs> positive that is the exact same stop motion skeleton from Dream Warriors. Yeah. Oh. The Freddy skeleton. That would make sense. You know, they film in like the the part or the junkyard. Yeah, was, it even had the furrowed brows, like you know, skeletons and furrowed <laughs> brows. Eyebrows, yeah. yeah. The Freddy one did. And I was like, wait a second, Jennifer, Jennifer Primetime is in this, and then the Dream Warrior skeleton. They probably used the same skeleton. I wonder model. if they did. So I bet team. you they did. I didn't look into it, but this was directed by Jim Wheat and Ken Wheat, who I'm not familiar with. They must I'm be assuming brothers. they're brothers. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but yeah, we got to see if there's a, a correlation anywhere that mm. exists there. We're going to have to follow up on this. Yeah. So like, I will say that dog. So the, th- the three segments, one was very kind of like, it kind of felt like April fool's day. It very was like April fool's day. Yep. Fun. Lights. I love that one. Yeah. Dude. I, I love the relationship. It's light until it's not. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's light until it's not. Yeah. That's yeah. a good way to put it. So that one was fun. The dog one, I like the characters the most out of that one, but that one like went on for it. I honestly so like so long. You know how sometimes like you get stuck in a movie and it's like I will never finish watching this movie yeah. and you just keep starting it and it's like on a streaming platform where you have to like start from the beginning each time like that happened to me on this one cuz that's how Tubi is. You can't just go back. You just yeah. can't resume. Uh so I ended up watching this movie I think like 7 times cuz like know- I had it on during work and you know what's funny yeah. is I did the exact same thing and it was the same segment where I was like, the yeah, dog and one, I, yeah, and I honestly yeah. was like, why the yeah, fuck did yeah, you pick this yeah. movie? It's like just dogs running for like three hours. <laughs> then I realized yeah. it wasn't. It was me, not the segment. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, I I definitely enjoyed. So we have the April Fool's Day-esque one. We have the dog segment and then the switchboard one. And the switchboard one was was a lot of fun. I liked that one the most. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I, I, I enjoyed the hell out of this movie. I'm glad I, I have. Yeah, it was, now. it was a surprise. Like I'm, I'm surprised it is a hidden gem because, you know, just based on, on, on the quality of the film alone, like I, 
I'm like, there are worse films that are more renowned. Yeah. And I had never heard of this film before. And I was like, this is surprising. I mean, it looks great. Like it's, it's on budget. It's not like, yeah. yeah. you know, it's um, yeah, it's a, it's a, it's an interesting one for sure. You're yeah, a good pick. Yeah. Very good pick. So I'll go next. Um, and then Maddie, we'll round it out with you. Um, cool. So my next one or my first one is a movie from 1980 that we've talked about before on the show, but I, I definitely think is a hidden gem, but it's from uh, 1980. He knows you're alone. On the night before her wedding, every girl is alone. Joyce. Nancy. Amy. Tricia. Joan. Debbie. On the night before her wedding, Every girl is frightened. And this time, there's good reason. He knows you're alone. So this was directed by Armand Mastrioni, starring uh, Don Scardino, Caitlin O'Heaney, Russell Todd, our buddy, who's been our on the buddy. show before. Yeah, yeah. we've had a, a horror dad's guest that was in this film. And Tom cool. Hanks was also in this film, who yeah. um, we're just working out schedules. He'll be on at some point. But, yeah, uh, you know, we're busy. He keeps asking. It's fine, Tom. We'll get you on. But uh, this is about <laughs> a, a young bride-to-be who's being stalked by a serial killer in Staten Island. And she gets help from a former lover. Uh, and they're just basically trying to escape a really bad situation. So mm. I like this because it's it's a slasher um, and it's a pretty clean slasher. So it's not super gratuitous like it didn't cut its chops on gore and being hyper offensive and being like overly enthusiastic. So uh, I, I enjoy that quality about it. Could have been a TV movie. TV movie. Almost. Honestly, yeah. Yeah, I was gonna say I got I got lifetime like TV movie vibes from, yeah. from this one, but not in a bad way. <clears throat> oh, I I agree with that, man. Um, I just like I fell in love with with how just palatable it, it is. It's like easy to digest. It's easy to watch. Yeah. It's it's easy to consume. The intro sequence, the movie within the movie, I thought was really brilliant. Like Scream I, Two I, vibes. I wrote that them. down actually. That's my first note about that movie. I said. Drive-in intro fake-out. Was that the maybe the first time that's been done? Dude, I don't know. but Because I thought that was impressive. I was like, oh, because it's an old... What, what year was it? 1980? It was 1980. 1980, right? So, like, you got to think about that. Like, Halloween was only six years before that. So I'm like, well, you know, Slasher didn't really exist. Maybe Black Christmas. But I was like, um, yeah, the drive-in intro fake-out worked. Yeah, it was so you know? cool. And I'm like, oh, is this the first time it's ever been done? It's really good. And you got to think of the like urban legend, the scene that happens when they're in the car, Scream 2, Scream 4 introduction, like so many movies that we all know and love. I, I got so many vibes that yeah, I got that urban legend vibe, vibe heavy there. Yeah. yeah. And the dude. So Ar- Armand, who directed this movie, he was not like a big film scholar, well renowned actor. He was just like a New York dude who really liked film and got funding to make a movie. And I bought the Scream Factory um, 
version of this and uh, watched like the the interview with the director and he he had so much really cool interesting stuff to say and it was uh just like a really cool interview to to check out so nice um yeah i i just i have a real soft spot in my heart for this movie um and the other thing i really love about it too and then i'll shut up and and let you guys give some thoughts on it but i feel like you can feel this movie kind of like in your bones like the 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 setting the house that she lives in like the carpet that like ridiculous plush green carpet the yeah. kitchen while she's I had making that, coffee I had that growing up yeah. <laughs> yeah i mean it's like uh a, a definitely like a tweener film you can tell it's 70s transitioning into 80s it was probably yeah. filmed in the 70s um yeah. but I, I i love that and and the only other thing i want to say is for the younger listeners cuz i know we have a lot of younger people that listen to this do not use this film as a basis for like i got married pretty young and i've been with the same person for a long time so if this is what the dating landscape is like in real life don't don't fall everyone in this movie is a skis like a weird person <laughs> that's not being faithful yeah. so don't uh There's don't a lot of that in this one so much yeah i don't understand Ev- everyone is not 80, being faithful ni- 1980 man <laughs> yeah like yeah. literally everybody yeah so, that's the last thing i'll say i uh so you bought me this movie and i've never watched it i like had started it a couple times have i just seen, like have, never did you watch it, it before this? yes so i watched it uh actually today oh i oh. wanted it to be fresh in my brain so um because like like i said i've seen that intro probably four times yeah uh, and just never made it out put it on once for the wife and she was like what the fuck is this and i was like all right well I'll shut it off. Uh, but I love all the different. One of my favorite parts of this movie is the different like sets. Like you have the dance studio, the the bridal store, the uh, ice cream shop, the the ice cream shop. You have the carnival or whatever, the fair, the street fair. Like I loved all the different sets and the different pieces uh, that went on there. Yeah, <clears throat> I agree with you, man. Yeah, I got some um, some notes here that I wrote down. Some like. Most of my notes are like just straight thoughts, but I actually like think there's a lot of um, Halloween influence in this film. For sure. The score, uh, I got, God the, damn. The first, first really right good. away is the theme. The theme to the film is like the same key, yep. same, and pretty sure the same scale as John Carpenter's theme. And then it just, it's the same few, first few <laughs> notes, but then it shifts down. And I was like, that's, that's pretty close to the Halloween theme. Yeah, dude. Um, and then and these are bad things, by the way. I'm just just things that I noticed. And then, um, oh, also the first kill um, is yeah, very re- reminiscent of Scream too. Did someone mention that before when we were talking? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah sorry. So there's that. Um, and then I actually noticed that the actor that they cast as the the killer. You you there's certain moments where you re- you don't really see his face, so you get him like you know a certain gleam of light on him at certain moments, and I was like, man, this guy eerily his face looks like the Shatner mask, oh. like so much so that I literally wrote down at 42 minutes, and I meant to grab a screen grab that I was going to send you guys. There's a shot I think where he's standing behind a, like a, a, an exterior kitchen door, in the maybe looking into the house, and then you have your character in the foreground, right? Like one of the, the female characters, I don't remember who's the main character or not. And it's 
literally very reminiscent of Annie and Michael in the yeah. kitchen. And the way the light's hitting his face outside from like, I don't know, like an outside light on the house. I'm like, he literally looks exactly like Michael Myers. He's got the jean jacket with the collar up. Yeah. And I'm like, that's so bizarre. Um, so because of those things, I've, I have a new name to dub this film um, just to follow the trend of like holiday film names. Yeah. And that is, it should have been called Wedding Season. 100%. Nice, dude. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's my, my thoughts on that. There is a scene too where she's walking down a sidewalk with Brut, like, uh, and it's one million percent. It looks like that same street that Carpenter filmed. Dude, it really does. Yeah. It does. I mean, this is New York versus California. Um, and in this movie, you could tell they did not shut down the street because there's like literally someone like taking their trash out. And I think it was some guy that was like, what are you doing? <laughs> yeah. All right, Maddie, you're number one, buddy. So let's start with Joyride. If you need a car, you could pick me up in Colorado. We could have an adventure. You know, the two of us. You'd want that? How far would you go for the girl you've always wanted? Sexy choice. Vintage, 1971. How much would you do for a brother in need? Thank you for coming. You're welcome. Mm-hmm. I'll drop him off in Denver. I'll see you tomorrow. Breaker one, man. This is like a prehistoric internet or something. Can you do a woman's voice? How much fun could you have? Hey there, this is Candy Can. Who's this? Yeah, I just um, love this movie, like, wholeheartedly. Um, and I think it's super underrated because it, it it suffered from falling, like, coming out, being released in sort of a time where I feel like horror films or thrillers, I would classify this more as a thriller, but there are also a lot of horror elements to it. Um it kind of fell in this dip where horror was kind of out, but it, it, it came in again shortly after that, like yep. the early two thousands. Yep. Um, so I think it kind of got lost in the shuffle also because of the, the sort of like a list cast um, and big budget. I think it might've amongst like, you know, um, horror fans might've just kind of, they just might've said, ah, I have no interest in seeing that, but the amount of tension and the Hitchcockianness of this film is is brilliant, and I mean, it's it's literally J.J. Abrams was involved in this film, so it's like you know um, someone with a great vision behind you know working behind the scenes as well. Um, yeah, I just think it, it's absolutely great, and there's a lot of um, cool tidbits and, and nods in, in the film as well. It's funny you mentioned the time frame too, because I think we've touched on this before that like that was a time where like horror was sort of just thrillers like the ring. And uh, I know yeah. that, that was a remake, but that was essentially just like, you know, you had this time where it was like horror and thrillers suspense were just kind of merging because coming off the nineties, like suspense films were just all the fucking rage. Uh, yeah. So they just kind of were like merging that in and splicing it together. But this was a movie that like, I remember I was in the military when this came out. And it was just like always on in the house that I shared with like five friends. We just like, it was new and like, we were just always watching it and just like, yeah, this was a huge movie back then. Everybody was fucking running around like candy cane. Yeah. Like, shut, shut up, dude. <laughs> I mean, you, dude, you got, bu- and Buffalo Bill does the voice, you know? Of, yeah. Of, yeah. We were which just is like such an iconic voice. and so perfectly cast in, in that film, you know? Oh, and also I, I, sorry, I wrote down, it's worth noting that, when I was looking for this film, I found it on Prime. It's streaming on Prime, but it's under the UK name, which is Roadkill, which really? is a horrible name. But um, yeah, so it's called Roadkill on Prime. That's and it came up like because I was googling it, 
came up as roadkill. So that's that's what it's called on there. If anybody has like Prime Video or whatever. What a huh. contrary title to Joyride. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Man. And it doesn't have that sort of like 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 I mean, there's something sarcastic and, and ironic about calling it Joyride, right? Yeah. And roadkill it just sound, sounds like I don't know a trauma film name yeah. or something. Yeah. But yeah, I definitely felt that this film had real um hitchcock vibes like even the way that the sequences faded in and out of black every time we changed locations or mm. or settings you know which is very just very old school this movie gives uh this movie gives really good road trip vibes too like you really feel like you're on the road with them you know what i mean um yeah. <laughs> like when you take a road trip it's like you got to hit the gas stations uh you know you might have to hit a payphone along the fucking way back in those days um, yeah, so like yeah. all that kind of just felt, and it's funny because I was in the military in Wyoming and I had to drive through Nebraska all the fucking time to go home and shit. Like that's like where a lot of this movie takes place is in Nebraska and Wyoming. So it was like, yeah. it just felt like, uh, it just felt so familiar for me. Uh, so it was a big part of my life at that point in time. And yeah, um, I love the acting. Paul Walker was just one of the biggest yeah, actors Paul on Walker. earth at the time. Steve, what's his name? Steve Zahn? Yep, Steve, Steve Zahn, and then Lily Sobieski, who was in quite a few horror films in the nineties. The Glass House, Glass House was, yeah. was like Glass one House. of those thriller horrors. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel like this movie, Jamie, about the authenticity of like the road trip experience. I feel like what this movie really does well is it's kind of equivalent to like going on a road trip with somebody that you don't know all that well, right? Yeah. And when you get in the car in the morning, you're like prim and. Pr- proper you're like oh would you like a piece of gum and like uh like, some sunflower seeds and then by the <laughs> end of it like you're spitting seeds at each yeah, other yeah you're like burping <laughs> and you're like you're, you're talking about like oh yeah well the reason i don't like my mom is this and like you just like you don't give a shit by the end you know what i mean so i feel that this movie captures that sentiment of kind of like the emotional vulnerability and the, the emotional taxing uh, process of like going through a long long road trip and i feel like maddie to your point related to that like hitchcock was the master of like manipulating your emotion and how you're feeling uh, as you're kind of consuming the media that's being delivered to you and I, mm-hmm. I feel like this movie really does that successfully and i i think it's a great one and i think it's it gets lost as a uh mainstream bogus fly by night kind of movie but i think it's honestly like a really good thriller that has a ton of horror elements that gets overlooked yeah and i totally agree and you know when i had to watch it i watched most of the films on our on our list while i'm here illustrating so drawing right here and i'm kind of watching them on the screen and it's one of those films where like i kept finding myself not being able to work (laughs) yeah like i was so so engaged and i love the characters i love steve zahn i just think he's he's hilarious um and yeah, he's yeah. some really good comedic relief in the film but like the relationships the acting is great and also one thing i wanted to note about this film um is that it's kind of like for those who don't know like the film is essentially like two brothers go on a road trip and pull a prank on a cb radio with a trucker and it just it goes awry it goes horribly awful so um but there are moments within this film where you think it, like everything's kind of been settled like, okay, they've moved, like, it's not going to go bad anymore. You kind of almost, the movie does this really great job at making you forget that there's a threat. It's said yeah. at least two times within the film, because like I was saying with the fade to black sequences throughout the film, 
it's, I think it's over the course of a few days, maybe like four or five days that this, this film happens. So they sort of like, like break it down that way. So you almost like you get caught up in like the conversation and the relationship and, and these two brothers, Paul Walker and Steve Zahn. And, and you're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And you kind of forget that there's this looming threat the whole time. And then, you know, there's like the scene with the ice truck just suddenly happens. You're like, Oh shit. Like, yeah. you know, things like this. Um, I just think it's, it, it's brilliantly made and um, yeah, every, everybody should watch it. But I did have, I did have a funny note though to throw on the end, which is like, um, maybe you guys will get this, but um, without spoiling the ending, um, I was going to say, I said the real scary ending is, is, is the MasterCard debt. <laughs> yes. I, don't, yes. I don't know. <laughs> MasterCard <laughs> had like, uh, like they were like, yeah. And in, on this film, but like Paul Walker uses that MasterCard so many so goddamn much. times in the film that you're like, where is this money coming from? <laughs> He's a college student. Anyways, I just thought that was a funny anecdote for the end. All right, James, back to you, buddy, with your number two, bud. All right, so we're going to do a 2011 fucking gem. Oh, yeah. um, this is this is, is a lot of fun. This is Grave Encounters. Good evening, and welcome to another episode of Grave Encounters. Psychiatric hospitals like this were seen as sort of a, a dumping ground for embarrassing family members rather than a place that they could go to actually get help. Many of them were severely disturbed. It's truly frightening. I swear to God that I saw someone right at the end of the hall there. And he swears that, that, that something pushed him off the ladder. So this is uh, really fitting for this time of year, I think. Um, it was between this and Hell House LLC. I chose this one. Yep. Uh, this is a story of a group of ghost hunters that go to, uh, it's called the Collingswood Psychiatric Hospital in Maryland, uh, which is actually an abandoned uh, asylum in uh, British Columbia. Um, but yeah, so they go there to, you know, look for ghosts in this fucking uh, psychiatric hospital. They do some exploring. Uh, but once the doors get locked, they realize they're like locked in based on, I guess it's loosely based on the show, the ghost adventures, uh, from the travel channel. They said that they based, uh, our main, uh, the main host, uh, Lance or whatever his name is. Uh, they based him on the, the host of uh, ghost adventures. I guess he wears like tight muscle shirts and uh, is always like cussing at ghosts to try to, uh, you know, up, <laughs> upset them. Yeah. And to get them to show themselves. Uh, so that's like what he was supposed to be. But I love the characters. You have like this, this great cast of, you know, the cameraman and you have like the guy that's supposed to be the spiritual. I don't know what that goofy dude is supposed to fucking be. Uh, but he, he has, they have great lines in there. He has a line that like, this place is as uh, haunted as a sock drawer. Um, <laughs> that's funny. Yeah, I just I thought this movie was a lot of fun. Um, I remember the first time you and I saw it. I don't know if we saw it together or around the same time uh, on Netflix or something. And I remember we were just like, man, that movie was so fun. Like it's really goofy. Uh, at the time, that seemed low budget. I think for us, and now we've explored 
Yeah. Uh, the deaths of there are lower uh, budgets. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so this movie seems really high budget compared to some of the stuff we've seen since. But yeah, I thought this movie was. Uh, it I think it's underrated, and I think more people should see it. Uh, the second one is pretty good too. I I agree with a lot of this. The design of the host, the main character, like looking at that dude. Like I know it's a weird sentence to say right now, but I'm going to say it. Like you look at that guy and you know exactly how he smells. Like you know what kind of cologne he's wearing. And you know, body spray. You know yes. he's wearing cologne. Uh, and you yeah. know he bought those jeans at at Buckle, right? Dude, um, Parasuco was that the brand? Parasuco back in the day. Yeah, dude. So Got the, some hair gel in there, dude. He's a uh, Lance uh, Preston is his name, and he's he does he plays that part so well. I think so good. It's it's comedic and it it really weaves in and out of like being super funny and super scary, uh, but this movie does have like a lot of humor in it. Like when they're interviewing the the gardener, and they're like, "Hey, uh, yeah, that bit. What, yeah. it was funny." Yeah, what yeah, kind of activity good. have you seen? He's like, "I've never seen anything around here." He's like, uh, "All right, can you just say that you?" Yeah, he's like, "I saw a ghost." He right asked you tons of stuff. Right? Yeah. Hey, does everyone have a couple bucks I could give this guy? And just. After having interviewed someone on our last episode who who's making films of the like yeah. paranormal caliber, and he he was discussing about how his approach is like so much different from things like I think he even mentioned grave encounters. Yeah, and yeah. he did. And he was like, it's not like the things you see on the Travel Channel, like where you're trying to instigate and create shock value and like make something yeah. out of nothing. Like his process is a little bit different from that. Uh, and it's just funny how they kind of riff on that with this and they have a lot of fun with it. But this this is like legitimately scary. This movie has some scary parts. Yeah, yeah. For sure. I uh, really enjoyed this. Yeah, a lot of like the yeah. handheld cam st- shots and stuff like that. Yeah. And I, I love the beginning. Uh, it, I know that it's like outlandish, but it almost feels realistic. Like the crew just like setting up. Okay, go set yeah. up some establishing shots over there. And like him doing like, Hey, it's Lance Preston. Welcome to Ghost Hunters or whatever the fuck the name yeah. of the show is. <laughs> Grave Encounters. Grave Encounters, yeah. yeah. Uh, I love those little like short short snippets. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I thought, yeah, I was pleasantly surprised by this film. Um, I thought Have it was you really seen it good. before? No, uh, no. Oh, nice. I've seen none of the films on, on, your, on the list except for one I, I have seen. They're all new to me, so just so nice. So nice to see something that you get you never seen before, you know, I feel yeah. like that's fleeting sometimes. Yeah. Um, oh yeah. Okay. So this whole, the whole, um, man, I don't know if I can talk about this without getting into spoilers. Um, basically I'll say it's funny because we, we always cite Blair, Witch as being this sort of like, you know, for father of found footage films. Yeah. yeah. It's like the um, yeah. But in this instance, I don't know if you guys have seen the most recent Blair, Witch film that came out, only a few years ago, it was like a secret sequel. Yeah. It's funny because that movie's premise echoes the premise of this film in regards to, without being spoilery, I'll say like the sort of time loop element. Mm. Yeah. Right. And I'm like, that's so funny because this is riffing off something else, but then the (laughs) sequel to that riffed off of this in some way. Like, I feel like someone Someone saw this film 
because yeah. the the similarities are are, are yeah um, pretty pretty close. But um, I think there's a lot of um, really smart takes in this film, sort of setups of like um, simple things like they're when they're all sleeping in the lobby and they have the one sort of like you know uh, construction light set up and you're yeah. like okay well. You know they have the lights set up and blah 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 blah, and then it just it just smashes. So now they're they're screwed. They're in the dark, and then you're working with flashlights the entire movie, and that element is so effective when you because what when you're filming people using flashlights to guide themselves, especially if it's like POV, it forces your eyes to look wherever the flashlight is, and you don't necessarily want to look in those directions, right? Yeah. Because it's a flashlight, you're like, well, fuck it. You have to. I have so to do it. Really yeah. good. And it's been done. It's been done since, and maybe before, but I don't know if it, if as effective as this film. I think they actually that this is the best use of that that sort of um, I don't know if trope is the right word, um, but that effect, you know, um, of using the flashlight as your only source of seeing anything. That was really really well done. Yeah, it is well done. Yeah this this movie's. It's great. And I think it did do a lot with that filming style because this was 2011. So you got to think found footage was very popular at this point. Paranormal paranormal activity was a thing. So uh, that got people really into the whole kind of like reinvigorated the hand camera thing. You know, Blair Witch obviously was the original authority, but uh, and I also think the ghost hunter shows were super popular around this time so it really just hit at the right time yeah and they got kind of lightning in a bottle with not making fun of it but commentating in a sarcastic way i guess yeah (laughs) all right very good so i will go to my second pick here and we're going to remain in 1980 uh where my last film resided Uh, to a film called Without Warning. The hunting season has begun. But the hunter isn't human. Only the prey are. It came without warning. Like nothing on this earth. Our friends are dead. Beyond any known terror... Stop that horrible creature. Come on, come on. It's me. Because when it leaves this planet, no one may be left alive. Look, I'm warning you. When they start eating on you, don't come to me for help. <laughs> Baby! He came down here to the spot. He wants to get himself a few trophies. You know what? Right now, you and me, we are the prize game. All right, so this film was directed by Graydon Clark, starring Jack Palance, Martin Landau, Tara Nutter, and this is a this is a sci-fi film. It's about a couple teenagers who go camping, uh, despite encountering their warnings not to to do so, and they soon encounter aliens who are kind of using the area that they're camping in as a hunting ground. So I just legit just saw this movie for the first time. Uh, a couple months ago, I grabbed the Blu-ray from our buddy uh, in Gore Forever, Chuck. And this feels definitely, I mentioned with He Knows You're Alone as kind of being a decade sort of bridge, a, a decade tweener. 
this movie certainly has that kind of feel like it definitely feels 70s it definitely feels 80s but i think there's some credence to a lot of these films kind of living in that time frame because so many people like really love 70s movies or really love 80s movies that they polarize to the most 70s or 80s films right and i think a lot of these are kind of finding their identity as you transition from a different decade to a new one and they get a little bit lost because it's like they're kind of intersecting a couple elements and trying to perfect the new formula but the this one definitely has feel from the 70s and and from the 80s and also i I kind of feel like it riffs on some 1950s 1960s like traditional kind of sci-fi mentality Mm -hmm. as well yeah definitely I thought the characters were interesting. I got a lot of vibes from the blob, um, the original like Steve McQueen version of the blob. Uh, I'm always in when you have like a, a group camping setting. Uh, the The characters are, you know, interesting enough and they're doing this thing together. They want to go camping. And as they kind of head on out, they're hitting their stops and, finding their paths of resistance as they go along the way that kind of forewarn that they shouldn't be doing what they're doing. They end up in this bar, uh, which by the way, like get me in that bar. I will, uh, yeah. share a pint yeah. with Sarge and play pool with that dude. He, uh, Martin Landau does a, an amazing job. I think that was my favorite segment of the film. Yeah. in the, in the, the woman working behind the bar too, like just like yeah. so sweet and, uh, authentic kind of feeling, but uh, mm-hmm. yeah, I thought that sequence was great. I agree with you, Maddie, and I love mm-hmm. how they they did not shy away from wanting to kind of show, literally show everything in this movie. They really they show the monsters, they show the aliens. Uh, the practical effects are really kind of cool in this, and you know they they put some budget behind it. So this movie I thought was a lot of fun. Dude, you were spot on with the, I I felt like they really, they had this like collection of older actors that were just like doing their thing from a different time, you know, like you felt like you were in uh, several different time frames, like that fucking uh, Scoutmaster. Yeah. Like that, like diatribe that he goes on that like monologue he does almost like when they're lost. I loved that. That was like one of my favorite parts of the movie just because of uh, like the mood he (laughs) evoked. And the different yeah. time that he stirred up. Yeah, at times you get like these sort of like old Western like throwback, like with like Jack Palance For sure. acting, you know, yeah. it's like this gruff and is it yeah. it's very um like I think that's like partly where even though like the scenery and stuff you get those like almost nineteen fifties vibes, but it also comes from the acting aspect. Yes. You know, like it's it's this yeah. very traditional style. I don't know what you'd call that, you know, what era that would be called in acting, but um, and that that added a lot of charm, I think, to the film too. That sort of like these are like, you know, your classic legacy actors, kind of like. I don't want to sound dark, but like, I want to say like at like the end of their career. But it's like, yeah. you know, but it's, they're yeah. just giving it. You know what I mean? Like just giving it so hard the whole film. You Dude, know? no, they are. They're like they're acting the shit out of those yeah. the of shit those out of this movie like, i literally had it written down so yeah. hard <laughs> into that yeah we we get our like little john and i love the gas station like road trip stops we get that in there where that's where we yeah. first meet jack palance right is in that little gas station or whatever that he owns um so yeah 
I don't know. I love Jack Palance in this. We get David Caruso. You get a little bit of like yeah, CSI Miami yeah, in there. Yeah. 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 yeah that's right. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, dude, I was looking at him. I was like, why does he look so familiar? And then when I was looking up the characters, I was like, oh my God, he's running around these shorts and like, uh, he's got that. I was hoodie just waiting for him to with... put on a pair of sunglasses really slowly and, and drop like a one liner. Exactly, like, dude. Yeah. Yeah. I will say though, the, the, um, the sound, like when Jack Palance is, is um, there's one of those aliens attaches to him, which I don't think is a spoiler because there's these little floating aliens that are floating, but like, like I don't know what you'd call them. They're almost like equivalent to face huggers, I guess, in some regard. It's, yeah. kind of, it's a mix between like Phantasm and Alien. Like these yeah. things are like yeah, exactly. going through the air and then they... It's yeah, like a sphere, but it's an alien. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And um, <laughs> there's a scene where it, it gets on Jack Pendleton. He's cutting it off. Oh, his dude. skin, right? Because he figures, oh, he learned early in the movie that if he cuts it off, he's okay. But the last time it happens, it goes on for so long. Like, not in a bad way. It's the nastiest. Like, the sound effects, like the sound design on that scene is like the... When he's cutting through, the, it was like, I literally said it's like the worst thing I've ever heard. Like, in terms of being like, oh, you yeah. know, like it's... Fuck. Dude, Martin Landau on this. That shit crazy. What, oh, I know. Point, like, I know. They're literally just, it's like they're, hey, this might be my last movie. I'm going to just pour out the rest of what I have in here. Like, exactly. They go so exactly. hard. But you but, feel that, right? You yeah. feel that when you're, when you're watching it and you're like, ah, it's so charming. It's like these guys are legends. You know what I mean? And they're just. But uh, yeah, so that's my number two. Without warning. All right, Maddie, let's head to your number two. Okay, so my number two is a film that um, I picked up on DVD at a Blockbuster closing out sale years ago. Man. Like when the Blockbusters all started shutting down, they put all like the previously viewed DVDs up for like a, a dollar. Yeah. And yep. you can just buy them. And um, this movie is a, a spontaneous combustion. Toby the director of Poltergeist, Toby Hooper, the modern master of the macabre, now brings you his greatest achievement. In the spring of 1955. Okay, Brian, Peggy, very soon. Ready now. Ready. A secret experiment began. An experiment. <laughs> That left one survivor. The vital signs are all perfect. There's no signs of radiation. It's a Toby Hooper film starring, who's and the main star is Brad Dourif, who's one of my favorite actors ever. Yeah. Um, Amazing. And I'm assuming everybody here knows that he's the voice of, of Chucky, and he's also in Lord of the Rings, among many other things. Um, but uh, it was like, I was just like going through a time in my life where I was like, I was watching Child's Play a lot, and I watched... One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, and I just, I love Brad Dourif's acting, and so when I saw this movie, you know, I was like, I've never heard of this. What is this? Bought it, on like, no hesitation, and watched it, and um, like I said to you guys before, in regards to this film, it's not a good movie, almost by any stretch, but <laughs> Brad Dur- just watching Brad Dourif act for an hour and, a, and 20 minutes, or whatever the runtime is, it just makes me happy because he's such a good actor. And, and I always wish that he had more leading roles and things. Yeah, dude, this, so you've got a, a list director and an a list 
an A-list like legend horror director, right? In the form of Toby yeah. Hooper. And you have an A-list legend horror actor in the form of Brad Dorif being the, the lead. Uh, but yeah, this is a very, like very original story, very original script. And I think it was definitely one of those that like, they wrote it and as they were writing it, they were like, this is amazing. And then it came to the part of the visualization and they were like, how are we going to do, do this? Yeah. Yeah. How are, how are we going to pull this off? But it's all about atomic weapons experiments, right? So you've got Brad yeah. Dourif who finds out his parents were kind of used in this experiment. Um, and they both fell victim to being exposed to, I guess, Radiation. Uh, radiation from the atomic bomb that was uh, dropped in the World War II environment. But the, th- so throughout the course of this film, though, I feel like Brad Dourif is kind of descending further and further into like Brundlefly, right? Like he's, yeah, de- devolving. yeah, pretty much. Yeah. That's a good comparison, actually. And I, I love, I love how original the story is and I love how ambitious the, the script is and how ambitious the intent is. And I, I also love the, the hidden like social and economic and there's like a lot to unpack from like an intelligence standpoint to this. Cause it's like, Hey, mm-hmm. war is bad thing. Um, the kind of things that we're, that we're meddling in uh, have serious repercussions. And I think that this is commentary to that. So I, I, I liked how they tried yeah. to tackle that a little bit. Like, that's the thing is, yeah, he starts off. He's again, very good comparison with, with uh, Jeff Goldblum, like in, you know, the Brundlefly thing. Um, Cause he starts off so sweet and um, you just, you feel for him and you want everything good for this, this guy, but his descent into madness consumes him and he yeah. becomes that thing that he's most afraid of becoming, you know? Um, yeah. And I, and I just love Brad Dourif because he's able to play both of those sides so well. So, 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 I mean, I feel like those, those completely polar opposite ends of, of the character spectrum like he's he's played well. Like in one flew over the cuckoo's nest, he was very, um, you know, like timid and and shy. But then you have him in you know, child's play, which is like all the way at the other end. You know what yeah. I mean? And there was always a, there was that moment. I don't know. If, um, I'm sure you guys remember, but in in the original child's play, where we're in the opening scene in the store, and uh, Charles Lee Ray's been shot, and he's like angry. And he's, he knows he's going to die. And he just, there's just all this emotion in a very short scene with Brad Dourif that we get in that movie. And I always kind of like clamored for more of that. Cause I was like, God, I can feel this dude's anger. He's just yeah. such a good yeah. actor at conveying like he's been shot. He's dying. Um, and you get a lot of that in, in spontaneous combustion. You get a lot of him like unhinged, you know, Absolutely. and it's two completely different personalities. It's like two different people. You can't even believe that his voice can get so aggressive and angry yeah. when it's normally so soft spoken, you know? Yeah. yeah. And it's a transition that he goes through as a character, you know, he's, he's finding out all this stuff sort of all at once. And he's, uh, it, it kind of, like you said, it descends, you know, he's finding out that, uh, not only, uh, does he have this almost like a curse or whatever, uh, but now everybody that he loves and that he thinks loves him is sort of involved in this cover up, Uh, and it's like, as he discovers that you get more of that coming out of him. And it's just like only he could pull that off in my opinion. Yeah. Like, he fucking killed it because yeah. if this was like Jason Priest Presley or Priestley or whatever, it'd be like, 
this movie is fucking garbage. Uh, yeah. yeah. But because it's Brad Dourif, it's like, this is amazing. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. And the story is, like you said, it's it's pretty convoluted. It's like, they, I'm still they, not it's like they had a basis. Complaint. Yeah, they had like a premise and like, this is really strong. But then as they started making the movie, they just like, I think there was like, maybe people or studio got cold feet that it was too weird and too different. So then they started like, let's make him like a killer or let's make it like there's a, there's a direct villain. There's like all these like intricacies, you know, if it was just more based on like a a character study of, of him um, and a lot less, if, if they focus on less is more, I think the film would have, would have been very effective. But as far as I know, like Toby Hooper is like trying to like bury this film out of his filmography, you know, like, (laughs) Makes but. sense, I guess. I could have watched a whole movie of just Brad, like the beginning when Brad Dourif is like in the college atmosphere, like, you know, trying okay. to be an actor or whatever he was trying let to me, do there. Let me ask this. Yeah, question. Yeah. Is it a college or is it a high school? My first question. And is he a teacher or is he a student? And is <laughs> if he is a teacher, is he dating a student? Those are all my questions. These are very good questions. Well, I don't even know. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't even I'm know. Assuming, I am assuming college setting. And he yeah. he is a little bit of sure. both, right? He's a yeah. teacher that's trying to be a uh, student I mean, actor, I think. Sure, I don't know. Sure, I have Jamie. no fucking idea, dude. I have no. Yeah. But there you go, right? Like, like wait. I mean, it's part of the yeah, course on is, this. What yeah. does he do for a living? Yeah. I don't even know. All right, Jamie, you're up, man. Let's uh, let's get sad. All right. So, so what's your yeah, next pick? We're going to get bleak as shit here. Um I had to choose this one. Uh, this is a movie that's affected me since the moment I first saw it uh, a few years ago. Uh, I feel like it's criminally underrated. Uh, this is called The Black Coat's Daughter. When you meet these people, do you say that she was murdered? say that they had to do a blood test to see if her head matched the body. Hey, Dad, just calling to see where you and Mom are, if you're coming. Worst case, they come on Friday and everyone goes home and has a really nice break. After all, we can't let you live here. You know about the sisters, don't you? So this is from uh, 2015, directed and written by Oz Perkins. Um, This movie is, man, it's heavy, it's depressing, it's dark, uh, it's Mm -hmm. sinister. It's really all of those things wrapped into one. This is a, uh, the IMDb synopsis is two girls must battle a mysterious evil force when they get left behind at their boarding school over winter break. Uh, So... There's some Which sort of like not sum up what this movie is at all, dude. Yeah. It does not. It's the most vague description ever. Very, uh, very misleading. Scratch. Very yeah. misleading. <laughs> um, this was, I think, this was my fourth complete watch of this movie, and I think I finally have a grasp on what the fuck is going on. I'll be honest, I had to Google. I'd love to hear your theories after because we don't, we won't spoil it, but I'd love to hear your theories. Yeah, after. yeah, yeah. Uh, so you have the story of three different girls going on in this movie, right? Um, Joan, is that her name? Joan, Joan, Rose and cat. That sounds right. Yeah. Um, so the actresses, the acting is so good in this movie. Um, all of the girls just do. Yeah. You've got Emma Roberts, 
uh, yeah. Kiernan Shipka, Kiernan and Shipka, yeah, Lucy Boynton, and then uh, our buddy James Remar, oh, yeah, uh, who's yeah. Harry from yeah. Dexter, uh, and then just countless others. Nuns. His, his and, voice, by the way, like talking about audio production, he has a perfect voice, dude. Like, yeah, perfect yeah. studio he voice. Really, too, really yeah. does. Like, yeah, he really does. He should just read audio books. So you're kind of just watching these girls who, uh, so in in the winter they're at this like Christian Catholic boarding school, I guess, uh, for the winter, the parents come pick up their kids, take them on winter break, probably a couple weeks, bring them back. Uh, after that, there's a couple girls who, uh, the parents either don't come or they, the one girl told her parents the wrong date because she thinks she's pregnant and doesn't want to have to deal with her parents yelling at her. Um, so I'm actually like getting, yeah, I'm like sweating. rubbing my brow thinking uh, about this. And it's in yeah. February. The original title of this movie was February, uh, and they ended up changing it to The Black Coat's Daughter. Uh, so it's very just cold feeling the whole time. It's the whole snowy. time. Uh, it's just, there is no feeling of comfort in this movie, right? It's just so bleak. You feel alone, uh, which this movie really focuses on uh, the feeling of abandonment and isolation. And kind of what that can do to your psyche, uh, along with yep. the devil. Uh, but letting the devil in, I guess that's a big part of it is like, you know, when you feel alone, uh, you're more, uh, what's the word I'm looking susceptible for? Susceptible. Susceptible yeah, to yeah. Uh, letting stuff in that maybe shouldn't be in there. Uh, but yeah, no, this movie, I, I, I don't want to give too much away for those who haven't seen it. Uh, but there's a lot of really fucked up imagery in this movie. Um, and a lot of like, the way that the devil is portrayed, it's like, it's almost goofy. Like the, I mean, it, it almost reminded me of uh, the rabbit in um, Donnie Darko. Like if you were looking at a silhouette, you know, They're just like the, the mm-hmm. two like ears. But it's almost too, uh, whatever the opposite of to a fault is, because it, it's, there's something about that betrayal that I, and I totally agree with you by the way, but then after I had time to sit with it, I was like, there's something very, old about that sort of betrayal something very classic and biblical and something you'd see in like a i don't know like a a super old diary of a cultist or something that makes it almost like kind of i don't know there's there's something about that that i i liked after the fact it's like that experience down that boiler room was so out of that movie and it just kind of felt like Talking about the first scene down there, all of them down. Well, that <laughs> first one I'm is talking very about the unnerving. first one, yeah. But I, I mean, mean everything yeah, I mean, they all are, there. but that yeah. one is very because at that point, you're already kind of in there, you know what I mean? Yeah, but the first one, you're not in there yet, and you're just like, What? Like, the? my mind is actually going in there right now, and I'm feeling yeah. really sad, so <laughs> yeah. I kind of feel like yeah. I need to hold it, your hand. It's very that whole thing is very heavy because Rose yeah. is dealing with uh, her, her and her boyfriend talking about what they're going to do with because she's pregnant, what they're going to do. He wants her to have an abortion and I'll drive you there. And there's this and that. So that's a super heavy conversation. And then she comes in where it's only her and cat because everyone else is gone for the winter. There's a couple nuns left behind in their nunnery or whatever. Is that, uh, oh, by the way, that's who plays Sabrina, right? It is. Yeah. yeah. Um, so she comes back and she goes down in the boiler room and see witnesses that happening. And then she goes up and talks to her and she's talking about how her parents were already dead. And like, it's just like the whole thing is incredibly fucked up and unnerving. And the senior cat's a freshman Rose is a senior 
the senior is supposed to be the the more mature badass one and she is totally like wrecked from the from what she heard yeah. and saw you know she's locking her door behind her like that's how you know the how unnerved she was god damn this movie <laughs> uh, yeah it, it it plays honest i've had nightmares that were similar just in tone um i can, you hit the nail on the head when you just said it's a cold movie like I, I don't think there's any movie like it where it almost feels out of body when you're watching it, like very unnatural, but in a natural way. I don't know. I can't put my, I can't put my finger on it, but it's unsettling from the minute it starts. So unsettling, dude. That's his style. Oz Perkins, like for sure. What's a Gretel and Hansel. Yeah. I think he did Gretel and Hansel. And so, so he's Anthony Perkins son. Yeah. Obviously he's made it very clear. He wants to make a Friday 13th film. Yeah, Perkins. that's one of his. Oh, really? Yeah. That's one of his biggest aspirations, I guess, yeah. is to do a Friday movie. But I don't think I want that. I mean, it would be very <laughs> based on yeah. this. Uh, well, I wonder if you'd go very art house with it and make it less of like your classic slasher and more of a slow burn, like like this film or like an It Follows or like you know yeah. where it's a little bit more cerebral rather than just brute force and slasher killer vibe. Yeah, I mean, but again, as a, not even me personally, but fans of that genre in general and fans of that franchise, do they want that? You know what I mean? That's what you, you're right. That's what you're, you're right. running into with that. One thing I've written down here is that um, this is probably the best performance I've ever seen from Emma Roberts. Yeah. Yeah. Um, who, and that's not to say her other performances are lackluster. I think that she's super un, a super underrated actor and like, especially like when you compare her role in this film to when she was in scream four. And if I had seen this film and then someone told me, Oh, she's going to play blank. I won't say whatever for that in case people haven't seen scream yeah. four. I think, Oh fuck. Yeah. Like in a heartbeat. But then I saw scream four first and then I saw, and I was like, Oh, it seemed very like, yeah. She wasn't challenged enough, maybe, or something. I don't know what, what happened there, but but I think that she's a super underrated actor when it comes to um, dramatic roles. Like, she's in Scream Queens, which is great. She's really good at playing this sort of snooty type of character. And yep. But this was especially, I think, just um, like a award-worthy good. All right. So I'll head to my, my last one. Jamie, great pick. I'm glad uh, you introduced uh, me to that because I hadn't seen it. So thank you. Um, now I'll never be the same. I don't know if that's one that you would have watched on your own. N- never. That's not your type of movie. In fact, at all. Brittany, my wife, that's her type that. of movie. Yeah. Yes. So I, the only reason I might have watched it if she is, if she would have said, you like, would have hey, left. Yeah. Well, no, I mean, I, or you would have been on your phone. <laughs> I'm going to edit the podcast while, uh, while you watch this. <laughs> <laughs> Why are you watching this with headphones on? Yeah. <laughs> All right, so I'm going to head to, and I actually have a funny story about my wife related to my last film here. Um, so this was 1978, a John Carpenter film called Someone's Watching Me. One week from tonight, she's young, beautiful, successful, and has everything to live for, but someone wants her dead. Hello? David Burney and Adrian Barbeau star in a chilling tale of suspense and terror. 
A twisted maniac is at large. Can he be stopped before it's too late? Someone's watching me next Wednesday on NBC. So, you love this movie. I do. I love it. Yeah. I friggin' love it. So I love it as well. Do you want to know what the tagline for this film was? I do. In the spirit of this uh, episode theme we have, the tagline of the film was the lost John Carpenter suspense classic never before on video or DVD. Boom. So I feel like, uh, yeah, it's fits right in. It's super relevant, but uh, this had Lauren Hutton, David Burney, Adrian Barbeau in it. And it's about a woman who's being watched in her apartment by a stranger. He's tormenting her. And there's whole, this whole cat and mouse thing um, as Lauren Hutton has just moved to Los Angeles from New York city to take on a new job and escape a relationship that she was in. So, you know, this is John Carpenter film came out the same year as Halloween, but this was direct to television. Uh, so this was not a theatrical release, uh, but this is really, I feel like the first reincarnate of rear window, which is probably one of my favorite movies yeah, of all time. That was the first note I have written. Yeah. Yeah, dude. It's and it it has the same uh themes, it has the same concepts, but what I really like about this is this movie's really bright when it wants to be. Um Yeah. Her apartment, like the apartment complex, there's nothing like you you feel kind of like hey, this feels like mechanized and uh cookie cutter within the confines of this apartment. Um you you sort of feel that, but it feels bright. And it feels like, hey, nothing could happen because it's like very happy and peaceful and bright in here. Uh, but it's the voyeuristic element of like, hey, I'm observing how <laughs> how bright this place is and how I can see everything that's happening in here. Just like uh, the creep across the way with the binoculars is observing it. So mm-hmm. I thought that uh, that was an interesting uh, take to this. Uh, Lauren Hutton, though, her character in this, her performance, super charming. Uh, she's a great actor. This was, I felt like, very comparable to her um, confidence and her pizzazz that she had in like, Once Bitten, uh, which is another movie that mm. Jamie and I love so much. Don't get me started on that one. Uh, yeah, dude. <laughs> I'll start singing. <laughs> uh, but the the use of the phone in this movie, absolutely terrifying. When that phone rings, uh, it's that old style, uh, like actual bell inside the phone that's rattling super hard (laughs) and you can feel it. uh, And you're trained by the point uh, later in the film that when that happens, like to feel fear and to feel suspense and to feel, you know, like something absolutely terrifying is going to happen. I love the relationship with Adrian Barbeau's character. The yeah, job so she good. has is cool, you know, working at the radio or the television station. And uh, I just, I feel very fondly to, to this movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, it touches on a couple of different, like the fish out of water theme. Yeah. The you Discomfort. Know, yep. Yeah. New apartment. Yeah, man. This is a good one. You bought me this as well. That 80s, that 80s beige. Dude, it is so Dude. fucking like. I would almost call it seventies brown. Uh, <laughs> so fucking, just like yeah. Oh man, seventies. It looks brown. like it looks like Buddy Rob Lowe's apartment from Wayne's World. You know what I mean? It's just that like, <laughs> yes, everything's plush and like like beige leather and beige carpet and beige walls. Oh, and there's something hilarious. unsettling about that, almost like like an asylum or a hospital or yes. Yep. And I. I feel like she also takes this descent into, you know, uh, paranoia 
And then it becomes almost like you become the psycho, right? Like you become the stalker. And very similar to, have you seen Watcher yet, Maddie? No, I, that's on my watch list though. Dude, oh dude. Yeah. You gotta the, check that the out. The parallels good. between this movie and that movie are just like insane. Uh, but yeah, go ahead, John. No, I just was going to say like to that, the guilt that you, you see that she Lauren Hutton feels for being victimized and being abused it there's commentary in that right that 100% she, yeah and, and i this is 1978 right so um the fucking janitorial the custodial dude that works in the apartment like everyone's a creep everyone's after lauren hutton um so it's almost like hey this is a byproduct of, uh, a byproduct of you being a beautiful woman like you should you should have to deal with this which is clearly and obviously wrong and the way they victimize her to the point where it's like oh are you just being overly sensitive because people find you attractive it's something you should just deal with like that i think is the message within this movie yeah Um, yeah and i think it's you know confronted at in the late 70s and i'm I'm glad that carpenter did this yeah because that was a very time for women yeah yeah, it's very um, not ahead of it's ahead of its time in, in that regard. Like the commentary on that, yeah, um, I find super poignant. Um, I think is the right word. Um, and in, in in speaking to that, I have something written down here that where I said um, there's a moment in the film, um, and we've seen this type of bef- thing before, where we've seen killers write things on mirrors or uh, things of that nature. But in this film, particularly. There's a moment where she, the shower's running in the yeah. bathroom, and then yeah. she thinks, well, she didn't start the shower. So she opens it and she sees a message written in, in the sort of fogged up mirror that says, No one believes you. Yep. And in that same instance that she sees that, there's a sort of like backhandedness to that as well, because the, it, it, dis- like it goes away, it disappears. So it was written on the mirror, and like, oh, there's proof that someone wrote this. And then, you know, the steam from the shower actually wipes it away, too. So that's gone, too. So it's this double fuck you. Yeah. You know, Um, and that speaks to much of social commentary uh, to uh, a larger topic, you know, in in speaking to what you were talking about as well. And I thought that that was brilliantly well done. Um, I don't want to say gag feels like the wrong word, but I mean, essentially, that's what that was in that moment, but it was um, really, really smart. Yeah. And the way that you feel as a person in that moment, where like, nobody's going to believe me, but like, what do I do? You know? Mm-hmm. Mm. Yep. And speaking to that paranoia and then, and, and as being a viewer of the film, you're like, is it in her head? Is it this, it, you know? Um, and yeah, it's just, it's really smart. I, uh, well, Johnny, John Carpenter. I mean, he does man. it. He does it. You know what was really great? Well, that's right. I have one other thing written down here. Is there's a moment in the film where I think uh, our main character, sorry, what's what's her name again? Lauren. Lauren Hutton. Lauren Hutton. I think she's standing on her balcony, calling about. Uh, she's calling because she's like, "Oh, my door was unlocked." Yeah, yeah, yeah. And she's and he's like, "Oh, they were doing maintenance there today. That's that's that what we locked when we left." And out of nowhere, just amidst this casual conversation, there's no. Um, build up or uh, musical cue um, in the score or anything, but you just see 
a, a man in the background bolt behind her yeah. and he runs. And I thought there was something so like, like whoever is responsible for this is in the apartment with her, but he runs out the door and you see him run behind her. And I made note to say there's something so effective about the fact that he doesn't casually walk because I feel like there's like a trope with, yeah. you know, a lot of killers or, or stalkers in movies where they, it's like, Oh, the, they loom and they walk and they're slow. And that's sort of enticing. Cause how do they, you know, do all they do if they're just slow and walking all the time? You know what I mean? But the fact that he he's bolts sprinting, sprinting out there. is creepy. Like yeah. you see him for like two frames and and he's out, and you're like, yeah. Jesus. And there's no sort of like, oh, or any sort of like musical cue. So it's very jarring. They don't you acknowledge know? it. Yeah. So Harry, Harry Suckman is the guy that did the uh, score for this. Okay. And he died just a couple of years after. Hmm. But uh, yeah, those are good points, Matty. Uh, I totally agree. And I, I don't know. I think this movie has a lot more than people realize. And I think people write it off because it was made for TV, but you know, it's, it's pretty suspenseful. And if you like mm-hmm. Rear window, uh, like I do. And like Jamie does, um, Maddie, it seems like you're a Hitchcock fan. Oh yeah. Yeah. So if, if you're a rear window fan, this, uh, this is a film for you that sums up. Someone's watching me. So we have arrived, Maddie, bring us home with, uh, talk about a banger. This one's a banger. So, <laughs> All right, so my last pick was um, a film called Trailer Park of Terror. Everybody around here knows Norma, the trailer park queen. How sweet you are behind that. You know, the weaker ones among us would have you believe that violence never pays. I say, therein lies salvation. And is a film I uh, heard about when attending Fan Expo in Toronto many, many moons ago. There was a poster for it, and the poster was badass. And I was like, this movie looks awesome. And so I, I you know, made a note to check it out. And it was awesome. I, I love this film. And uh, I think it's the, uh, the exact definition of a hidden gem. I actually wrote no notes down because I really just wanted to see what you guys thought. Um, but as far as like a synopsis goes, really all you can say is, you know, um, a busload of troubled teens break down on a retreat where, you know, I don't know, what is it on like a Christian or, or Catholic retreat to yeah, try to yeah. better themselves, um, end up stranded and have to stay the night at a trailer park and, it, what ensues is I don't think what you could ever expect because this movie is batshit and kind of all over the place and weird and funny and uh, uh, it might it might miss the mark here and there but I think for what it is it's it's pretty charming. I agree. So I'm just interested to hear what you guys have to think because you neither of you have heard of it. When you say miss the mark, what is the mark? Because this, this this movie, holy shit, dude! Uh, I texted I texted John like ten minutes in. I was like, I don't know that I can make it, man. I might have to shut this off. Well, what 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 predicated that text is? I had texted you and said, "Did you watch Trailer Park of Terror yet?" And you said, "No." And I said, "Just wait." And you're like, "Is it bad?" And I said, "Just wait." 
Uh, and then he said, I'm 10 minutes in. And that opening sequence really is, it's that thing where it's like, we're going to define what's about to happen, right? Um, yeah. I feel like they do that because they introduce um, kind of like oh. the ickiness of the environment. They introduce the crudeness of the characters. They introduce the comedic elements of kind of how it's being presented. Like, I feel like if Elvis Presley made a horror film, this would be what you got. <laughs> Quite honestly. What I found most appalling about that beginning is like, she walks out of her place and is immediately just like inundated with like Swarmed. just insulting comments yeah. and like fucking. And I was like, yeah. wait, every time this woman walks out of her door, this is what she deals with. Yeah. Like on a mm-hmm. daily basis. Yeah. Oh, geez. Yeah. Um, Ooh. So, I've got I've got some stuff to say. Oh man! What made me think like I, I can't watch this is I thought that I didn't know that it was gonna do what it did, and I thought it was just gonna be like her being objected, like objectified this entire movie. And I was like, oh my god, I can't, I can't do I, this. Oh, I, I, if it was that, I wouldn't be able to watch yeah. it either. Ugh. I do enjoy how that's like the initial perspective, and yeah. then clearly. Sure. That's right sized because she instantly it's takes flipped. control. Yeah. Yeah. And and really controls the narrative. But um I don't know. I thought the way it it weaved in between comedy, uh horror torturous portions mm. at, at points, I guess. Uh they really do the thing where they take the different kind of character types and they over um overplay like the the character qualities that reside within certain characters. And, um, you know, you've got the asshole kid, you've got one of the promiscuous girls, you've got the final girl kind of personality. You've got the, the pastor dude who's walking around with the biggest (laughs) wedding ring in the world and ends up being a prick. Um, (laughs) Jesus Christ, please don't let me like the the prayer he's doing like, (laughs) so, so much of it's just, it's funny. You know what I mean? Like, it's just funny how it's, did he look familiar to you at all, that guy? Yes. Do you know what it's from? Because I he, can't he figure would, it out. He was like Tony Soprano's... Uh, oh, my God. Do you remember to... the financial advisor that Tony Soprano had that Carmela <laughs> keep, kept pushing on? I'm like, no, you need to invest. And you need... Yeah. Like, that's the... Well, I also think he was the script supervisor for Halloween Ends, and he said, no, this is how you pronounce words. You have to sound like you're from New Jersey. <laughs> no uh, spoilers, dude. <laughs> um, but, yeah, so I... I, th- I thought this movie was fun. Like, please, like if you're going to check this movie out and have not seen it before, if you take it seriously, you're going to be horribly disappointed. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, Don't do that. But if you go in looking to have fun, uh, the songs that are woven into the, the, the film, it's not even like woven into this. They're like actually parts of the movie. Um, <laughs> and they define that quick quickly on when she leaves her trailer and is going to go on a date with whoever and the guy's like standing there with a guitar and i remember like when this first started i was like that's fucking weird that this guy's just like standing here with a gibson uh (laughs) and he's just like playing chords (laughs) just like struck like so deliberately and i was like this like part can they hear what's happening uh, or is he is, like a like a yeah off screen like narration music like yeah. character? I I honestly was like, is this kind of like when you're watching um 
you know, Robin Hood and you've got the narrator that's going on. Like, is he that moral compass? And then yeah. you quickly find out he's not a moral anything. Absolutely. Uh, <laughs> and the songs are just so ridiculous. Um, but yeah, I mean, the movies, it's a lot of fun. And I feel like if you're looking for a good zombie movie, that's gross. That's got some icky to it, but that doesn't take itself too seriously. Like it's a, it's definitely a fun ride. For sure. I mean, it is uh, definitely gross, but it's, uh, I had, a, I ended up having a lot of fun with it. Like you can't help but smile and laugh at a lot of the kills and a lot of the setups. You know? Yeah. I mean, yeah, that's the thing. If you know, know it for what it is, then, then it works. Yeah. Um, when we were, when I was saying they missed the mark, I think it was just tonally, but this film, I mean, this is the thing when you're making a list of hidden gems, they're hidden because they're flawed. Yep. Right. So there's some, there might be a gem, but there's a dent or two in it or a scratch here and yep. there. Um, and so in, with this film, I feel like they had a trouble, the pacing's a little odd, but they had trouble deciding whether or not they wanted to be a serious film or a comedic film. Now, obviously the latter half ends up being quite funny, but the beginning is very, very, very serious, regardless of the acting or whatever, the storyline, the actual plot is very serious. Yeah. And so you're like, okay, is this what I'm in for? And then it kind of flips the lid and it kind of, tries this juggling act of, of balancing both things. And I, I think that sometimes it misses the mark on some funny parts and on some serious parts or some serious parts could have been read better had a comedic part not happened pre or after it. You know what I'm saying? Like it's, yeah. it's a little bit of a mess. Now, all I know about this movie and how it came to be is that it uh, was, it's based on a comic book. Oh, really? Called Trench Park of Terror, which is essentially an anthology comic book, like, you know, like Creep Show or um, Tales from the Crypt. So you have your main, um, my God, I'm already forgetting her name, the main character. Norma. Norma. Norma, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> uh, or Norma is kind of acts as like a crypt keeper. She lives this trailer park with all these, you know, zombies around, and, and she tells scary stories. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and that's where this all kind of spawned from. And if you look up like the comics, I think there's only six issues. Cover art's great; it looks really cool. So I think that there was there was something to be had with this premise. And I feel like I would like to see another approach with it, but just just for the sake of how fucking silly it is, and like it's a movie you could throw on with your friends at a party and Dude. and drinking, and it's exactly absolutely it's that kind of movie. Now a lot of the movies on our list are pretty serious you know and pretty dark for for the most part or um and so this is just kind of like a fun like ridiculous film that i guarantee nobody listening to this has seen because <laughs> if you guys hadn't seen it then i don't think anybody else has so yeah and I, I i also think to your point about it being a little chaotic there there are like certain moments that they really nail both in the comedic realm and in the mm-hmm. serious yeah. realm but there is one specific part, um, the part where she's talking about Norma's talking about how her mother was like, they were doing the filming thing and her mother was supposed to be in the scene. Like as that's like happening and then her mother oh. gets shot, like that's a devastating scene. Oh, like, it's devastating. Right. And then they yeah. cut like she's doing the Crypt Keeper thing that you're saying. And she's the one narrating like kind of like what's happening 
And they're like, so what happened? She's like, so they made me do the scene. They don't show that part. She just Ugh. narrates it and says that. And honestly, like my mouth was hanging open Mine after well. that happened. I was like, oh, oh leave. my God, this is so yeah. upsetting uh, to, to think about. And that movie shows everything. It shows it all. But they leave that like the most upsetting and alarming thing to your imagination, which I thought it's kind of like, you know what? There's something to this. You know, there's there's a thoughtfulness yeah. that resides here. It's just a little it's chaotic. Yeah. Yeah. But it gives you the opportunity to, you know, let your brain if you want to go there, go there. But if you don't want to go to that place, then don't go to that place. Yeah. Which I think there's something admirable in that, too. Um, you know, and that, that can be effective, you know, when it comes to certain scenes in films, you know what I mean? Or, or, or whatever, seeing the monster or not seeing the monster is the same type of thing. Like, yep. You know, in that same regard. Yeah. I forgot all about that scene. Thanks for fucking up my night. Have a good night. <laughs> <laughs> hey, just oh. think about the rockabilly Elvis guy. Yeah. You know, there you yeah. go. I'll just think about black coat's daughter to cleanse my palate. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not sure what on this list is super fun, but uh, <laughs> Maddie, uh, before we wrap, what, where can people find you on social? Any projects you've been working on you want to mention? Uh, yeah, plug your stuff, man. You can, uh, for all updates of, of releases and drops and all that kind of stuff, um, you can find me at Instagram.com slash Matt Ryan. That's where I'm most frequently on. Um, and then my website is worksofmattryan.com and that links to Twitter and Facebook and all of that as well. Yeah. And stuff's amazing as we, as we mentioned. And, the best. Uh, it's the best. Yeah. I mean, oh, thank you guys. Absolutely. No getting around it. Like when I'm browsing through Instagram for the thousandth time in a day, I like, I can, I, you start to differentiate the different, the quality of different things. And like, when I get to your stuff, I'm like, this has like, this is just like, it's the best. I'm not blowing smoke here. It's just like, it's uh, fucking amazing stuff, man. You guys uh, are the best. You're the man. Thank you. All right, uh, Maddie, thank you again so much for joining us, man. So we're going to get you back definitely next October, but maybe we'll do a, a tweener uh, episode and, and hit up uh, one in the summertime or something. We'll talk about some. Hell yeah. Let's do like Hidden Gems Volume 2, like halfway to Christmas or halfway to Halloween. Yeah. Hell yeah. Or something. Yeah, that's a great idea, man. Thank you for having me, guys. Really.